Welcome to the Gurus Books, Beards, and Self-Improvement Podcast, co-hosted by Brian and Andy. So welcome to Gurus Books, Beards, and Self-Improvement. This is episode nine. And before the quote of the day, we would like to introduce a very special guest, Carrie. Welcome to the podcast, Carrie. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. So she has followed our journey. And another cool fact about Carrie is that I went to high school with her. She was a twirler oh, in marching cool. band. And then I think you played it. Did you play an instrument? I think you did. Not really. They asked me to help out with the percussion section, but That's then right. they asked me to just not do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, there were you other know. things I could do to help. She was always but really awesome. Yeah. Because basically you signed up for band and it was a full year. It was a full year commitment pretty much. I mean, you could do the second semester, but there was things to do. There was the concert band. And, you know, I think that they had, I, I remember you being in the room. So there was stuff to do, people to see. Yes, there was. But nothing, I, with, nothing with participating with any of the music. <laughs> They're like, you twirl, cool. your, you twirl over there. You go and do that. And... Here, go do this other stuff, this random paperwork for me. I got it. Exactly. <laughs> hey, everyone, everyone is important in, in band, regardless of whether you play an instrument or not. That's right. If you're you not know? gonna be a band, you you can be a band supporter. Yeah. Otherwise Or a groupie. You know. Or a groupie. Well, I was always, so I'm going to tell you my quick story really quick. I thought that I was Mr. Cool. So A, I got into free football games. That was one of my big motives of, foot, of playing the clarinet. And then I thought I am going to hang out with the girls if I play the clarinet. So I thought, A, I got it for, you know, I also got it for free from my dad. So, but I thought that now this is the chick magnet. I'm going to be hanging out with the girls. I'll get it. I'll be able to date more. No, because here's what happens. You're one of the girls. You're not somebody they're choosing. They'll tell your their problems of boyfriends too, but you're just that friend that, zone. You're in the friend zone because you're the part of the zone. group. You're part of them. You're not like outside of them. <laughs> so they always dated the trombones. And the saxophone people. And wow. I was just a clarinet friend. Me and my friend, Mike. Oh, the experience, right? <laughs> got me into free football games. That's all I'm going to say. And then I found out later if I got into free, I got into free football games by just being the roadie, which means I just move a podium like 10 feet. And I got into the same free football game and I didn't have to do all the crazy marching for, I found that out at NAU though. So I was marching into NAU. That's fun. I never yeah. did marching band. I played, I played in like the symphonic band oh, cool. as a percussionist, you know, but like never, uh, never did the marching thing. I was the pep band drummer. That oh, was cool. fun. That's cool. That, that is cool. So you got to play at basketball games and stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it fun. was uh, it's a good time. I thought I was all that. <laughs> then you grow up and you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
times. Good times. So let's go with quote of the day. What do we got? The quote of the day is die to the past every moment by Eckhart Tolle. This quote is, um, I think it's, it's pretty deep. You know, it's, it's found on page 84. And he was basically talking about like dying before you actually die earlier in the book. And then he brings it up again here right and so this is the same almost and we talked about this uh again last week which is that nietzsche thought which is the death culture the fact that we are doing things to get somewhere after we die you know it's kind of the way that uh we were you know if you do this right thing you're going to get somewhere in a future life or a future heaven or whatever it is that you believe in it doesn't matter but that's what Nietzsche was saying, which is why he said, you know, look at God is dead. This is the same kind of philosophy where you're not living for the present moment is more of the present, which is more probably the appropriate way of talking about it and thinking about it. Right. I, I found it really kind of interesting. Um, Cause essentially saying the past is over. It's happened. It's done. So it's almost like, you know, if you take it literally, if you were to die, gone, right? Now, depending on your, you know, your beliefs about what, what happens when a person dies, maybe, maybe there's some, you know, another life, or maybe there's heaven, or maybe there's, you know, hell, or, you know, whatever it is that you're, that you're believing in. But in the very instant that you die, whatever was is no longer. Right. And this is a present moment. And I think that precious, I have a meditation that we do called precious human life, where you just are really focused on how absolutely how precious your life is, but it's something that you can be concerned with now that be now, you know, and there's so many moments of, there's so many books about be here now. Uh, that's Ram Das. So many of these things that come into this space where they're talking about just living in this present moment because that's all you have. That's all you really have. And, and people who live for yesterday have all of you know, the problems of yesterday that come up for them and it's gone. But if you don't have that, you, know, you have the ability to be able to shut that off and say, yes, that's a lesson learned, but I'm not in that space anymore. And because if you think about where most of your turmoil comes from, it's from, you know, uh, fear, fear of the future where it's going to ha- what's going to happen in the future, but that's based off the past. Oh, this is where my life has been. I'm an addict. I'm a, you know, this thing has happened to me, this trauma. It keeps, you know, I, this, I have a horrible life. These things happen to me. I got bad boyfriends, bad girlfriends. I keep having that. I don't want to have them in the future. And you keep going back and forth in those two time zones. And the fact is you can only affect. And the only thing that you can do is right now. That's the only time that you really have. I'm actually kind of at a loss for it. <laughs> <laughs> this well, book can bring oops. that to you. This is the one thing that if you have had no, and this is where I want the readers to realize that if you've had no past training in any of this, this book can get you lost. 
but I'm going to tell you that these just go with it and either reread it, maybe reread it at a later time, but just go through it because once you understand and make maybe the first pass may not make total sense, but you'll kind of understand some concepts and then you'll be able to fill in some more of that stuff as you keep, you know, having, maybe you go over the book again, maybe you go over the chapter again, whatever, but, you know, just kind of get concepts, pieces, just snippet pieces of it. Because otherwise it could be overwhelming because you're trying to understand way too much of the philosophy that he's using. And it, it bounces all over the place. It really does. Carrie, how are you uh, handling all of his philosophical uh, stuff? <laughs> I, I think that some of the things that resonate most with me are the fact that I'm the type of person that thinks about things that happened or I revisit and chew on things that have happened in the past sometimes as a reminiscent thing, but also like as a growth thing, thinking about if that were to happen to me now versus when it happened to me back then, how with my knowledge and my experience and my age, I might have approached the situation differently but I don't think that I go backwards and let it affect me. Like you can't go backwards. You can't go backwards and change something that happened. You can't go backwards and change something you said. And you definitely can't go backwards and change anything that was out of your control. But the fact that he's talking about things that are happening right now and like thinking about the now and all that's behind you, I don't necessarily agree with him on some things. And I find myself wanting to have a conversation with him. I want to be on the couch talking to him about these things as one of the people that asks him like a question because I'm listening to the audio version and I've listened to it. I'm on my second time because like Andy said, you need to listen to it or read it again. And here I am in the second time. And I want to, I want to go back to him and rebuttal and have a conversation. Hmm. I would love to see how that would go. I, you know, he, um, I, well, you mentioned something that I think is, is very important um you mentioned that you will visit things that have happened in the past for the purpose of uh learning from it right mm -hmm. growing from it and in the book he refers to that kind of thing as clock time mm -hmm. and we were talking about that a little bit before we started the the, the recording um so there's clock time which is the beneficial use of time where time is a tool, right? So we're talking a lot like in last podcast about um, how our thoughts can be tools or they can be the lawnmower and just be noise. And now we're talking about time. It is what you make it for yourself in a lot of ways. And so clock time is using it to learn from the past. It's using it to keep track of what's going on around you. You know, you, you cannot live in today's world without some clock time. Now, what about psychological time? You know, he brings this up and talks about it at length. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? So here's my thought, and this is, so there is a practical usage of time, learning from your mistakes. Uh, and he has to use this because you can't just be in the moment and everything's in the moment. And there's no lessons to be learned. There's no mistakes that have happened. No events that, has, that have you know, made a 
course correction in your life. You can't pretend that those didn't exist. So you must have that caveat of, I need to learn from it. Now the psychological, he brings that up because psychological meaning it deals with your psyche. It's the way that you emotionalize it. It's the way you think about time and the events that have happened that causes the pain. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think he's going with it is that these are the events that really are the trauma that we're creating in our mind. And they're not real. They're, they're, they're events that have happened, but the trauma we're, we're attaching the trauma ourselves to every moment. And that's what he's saying is every time we get a chance to, we bring up this traumatic event and then we rehash it in our head and bring that emotionality to it again. Mm-hmm. So it's like rehash of the rehash. Mm-hmm. So, and you just iterate over it. It's that iteration of this thing happened in my life and I can't get over it. Um, I had a really tough high school years. I had some really, really tough high school years. I, mo- I moved from the Midwest um, my ninth grade year to a school in the middle, a, a big city. So I'm a small town boy going to a big city in a big high school where people didn't like my dad. <laughs> he was a teacher there at the high school. Uh-oh. And so, and there was, and that was the only thing they knew. They didn't grow up with me. I, they didn't know me other than I was the teacher's son and I came from another place. So I had a f- couple friends but I was really traumatized and even bringing it up 25 years later, mm-hmm. I was still not, I had not dealt with it. I just didn't talk about it. And even when I, I remember talking about it with my wife, maybe two or three months ago, cause I ran into a beard product owner, bearded Mac for anybody who's listening. Uh, he grew up like a mile from my house. So he went to shadow mountain, which is another mm-hmm. high school in our area, but he knew some of the same people. Mm-hmm. And it just, oh my goodness, it just brought back all of this almost trauma yeah, because it triggered it. And I was just like, oh, I was right there again. And even talking to Carrie, I was like, but you know what? When I, me and her had a really great conversation one evening and I was able to let it go by realizing that it's gone. That moment's gone what we're focused on is what a teenager was thinking about at that moment. And it probably wasn't true. And we were all dealing with our own things. And it had, once I realized that it wasn't just, it wasn't all about me. I I was personalizing this, these events in high school. Like it was like in a bubble, like it was Andy's version of high school. And this is what happened. And these are the things that led this and all these actors. And, and I realized once I realized that I was doing what I tell my students not to do, which was it's, it's not all in one bubble. It's something that's happened and not being able to attach the psychological issues that once you take a look at it and go, yes, I can respond in a different way to it. And that's what he's saying is, is that things happened, an event happened. But here's the thing about the event. It was this, this, and this. These people were involved in your life. And I think Carrie had talked about some of the things that happened in her high school days that were maybe traumatic for her. And then it was like, oh, well, so like everybody was going through this. Yeah. But I had attached to that 
past that was dark and hard to deal with and depressive because I was seeing it from the eyes of, and still seeing it from the eyes of a high school kid. But once I was able to see it as a learning lesson, I was able to take away something more powerful and let it go because I could finally stop iterating over it and not, and stop avoiding it. And that was really, I'll tell you, I, I told Carrie this, I said, this was one of the most freeing discussions I have ever had in my life because I didn't realize a, that I was so dead set against it. I was so term in so much turmoil over it. And then I was able to reverse it because I, I saw some insight, which is what you get out of that time where it's practical. Oh, there's insight that can come from that. And I don't have to attach the psychological anymore. Absolutely. Well, you bring up some good points, right? That trauma, I mean, that, that the word trauma means that there is a significant physiological or psychological wound right mm -hmm. now in in my work as as a therapist i deal a lot with the emotional and mental trauma and oftentimes it's not just trauma it's it's a level where it's diagnosable ptsd right post-traumatic stress disorder and if you talk to people that have ptsd and let's say they have a flashback their present moment is actually like reliving the, the past moment as if it's happening now, right? So this is, this is a big, big deal. And we're talking um, about, you know, being in the present moment as much as you can. There's no problem. Now, uh, like you, Carrie, I do find some things that Eckhart Tolle is talking about a little dismissive of some people's experience. Do, do I think that people identify too much with their pain? Do they identify oftentimes as maybe being in that, that victim kind of stance? Perhaps, right? But at the same time, they went through hell. They've been living with these awful, awful things that have really twisted their reality, their expectations of, you know, what life brings and what life has to offer. So how, you know, talking to someone in that type of a situation and saying like, you just need to be more in the present, you need to, you know, let go of that. It really is dismissive. It really is right. invalidating. And, and, and so, you know, at least my task as a, as a mental health therapist is one to validate that experience, right. help them work through it using different interventions that hopefully help them put these things to rest in the past, letting the past die, you know, to bring that quote back in. So it is work to mm -hmm. let the past die. It is not, so when we say it's not easy to be in the present, it's very, very true. Eckhart makes it sound easy. <laughs> and and you're right absolutely and that's the one thing processing through those places to help and and that's the wonderful thing about these books is that he's coming from a different space than anybody may you know it's a different perspective a different place he may have already arrived there 
And now he's, it's easy to say you have to get here. And it sounds very easy for a person that had an awakening moment after his bitter trials of depression and thing left him. And he had this sudden awake, this flash awakening. And we brought that up last time. Most people don't have the Buddha awakening, even though the Buddha didn't even have the Buddha awakening. It took him years to, you know, of being an emaciated. If you ever see the emaciated Buddha, he's like starving. He has, you can see his bones because he went to the aesthetic point of view of being somebody who was depriving himself of life and limb and, you know, of any of his needs to the point where he was starving himself and you could see his ribs. That's the reason why that Buddha exists. It's, and that's the reason why then he came up with later when he found a girl and he was starving, he realized he wasn't getting any more enlightenment. It was a path. And that's the one thing I'm going to bring up here. It's a path to get there. It, it, we all start somewhere different. Mm-hmm. But the journey is the part that we all have to travel to be able to get to a space of enlightenment or awakening or peace, happiness, joy, love. So I'm going to counteract what I just said. <laughs> Ready? Uh-huh. <laughs> right? This is This is how life is, right? It's never black and white. There's always a, an exception to the rule. The way to bring someone back who is experiencing a flashback, right? Or who is um, in the pain body of their trauma that they've experienced. And I say their trauma, right? Cause it's a, it, identifying with it, I guess. It's to help them become more grounded in the present. Because in that moment, right, if I'm sitting with them in my therapy office and they're having this flashback, we're talking about some really difficult things, right? Whether it be like physical abuse, sexual abuse, maybe I'm experiencing a a horrific, horrific uh, death or accident in their life that they were witness to, whatever it is. I mean, there's lots of different scenarios. I mean, they're in my office sitting on the couch. Are they in any danger? in that moment, truly, no. The present moment, they are absolutely safe. Their mind has been hijacked you mm-hmm. know, by, by trauma, by the pain body in that moment. And so bringing them to be aware of, hey, you're in my office, feel the couch against your back, feel your feet on the, on the floor, you know, notice the, uh, the pictures on the wall, take a big, deep breath, you know, like these types of things just to center and focus on the now. So trauma is a, a bigger beast to, to handle when we're talking about being in the present, but being in the present is the, is the antidote. Right. And I think he brings this up and um, the narrative, I think about this, this, the narratives that we create because of trauma is what sometimes you have to rewrite, which is part of the journey of doing things differently and thinking differently because sometimes we build a world around our trauma that is our narrative and that narrative has to be broken down and it takes time 
to, you can be in a PTSD flashback, but you still built around this story that I am this victim and, and you were a victim and acknowledging the victimness is there, but then also being able to process it in a way that says, yeah, but you're here now and shift in this space, this narrative for yourself so that you can become happier and not be trapped by this thing that happened in the narrative now that you've built around it, if that makes sense. The story that you built around that I'm a victim, I am. And even though that you are, but you sometimes people sabotage themselves in those spaces. Like they just create more trauma for themselves because that's where they live. They live in this space. It's really interesting. What are your thoughts, Carrie? Well, I think there are probably things that make it resurface too. So even though you've created your narrative and you've talked yourself through to help you cope, you know, when it comes back around, you kind of revisit some of the things, but there could be things that are outside of you, exterior things that bring it all to the surface, whether it's a smell, whether it's something someone says, maybe it's, you know, something in the weather, you know, whatever it is that brings you back to that specific event, those things might just get you to a place where all of a sudden all of those feelings start to come up. So you might not be with Brian, you know, in a safe place might be somewhere completely different in the middle of the grocery store, or you could be, you know, in the mall or, you know, somewhere, anywhere really. But all of those feelings that you have from that narrative come back to you. And the only person that knows what's going on is you because that's what's going on in your mind and in your inner talking, you know, the, you know, the self-talk and all these things you start to, and you could have an anxiety attack or something else in the middle of something even more serious that I don't even understand. So I can't really speak for it, but I can't, I can't even imagine what you would go through. And if there's some sort of a safe word or something that you say to someone that knows you, that you just say, Hey, if I ever say this to you, just get me out of there. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I could just imagine that that narrative brings you full circle back to terrible feelings and feelings you can't really control till you get yourself to a, a safe place, if, especially when you're not in a safe place. You know, you could be in the middle of a meeting at work and somebody says something and it throws you off and they have, everybody else has no idea what's going on, but you've gone, you know, a hundred degrees a different direction because what's going on inside your heart and inside your mind and inside of your inner voice of everything it's a very valid point. <laughs> absolutely so. Absolutely. I think she's absolutely on it. That's the thing about trauma and these and the flat and the PTSD. It's it's sudden. It's something that has happened to you and it really is something that's ingrained. I remember thinking that I won't kill myself, but I'm that depressed. Like I just won't kill myself because you know that was too messy. But I remember being that depressed about who I was as a person back in those days. And it would take very small things to just bring those back in because all it took was me talking about some, this guy knew a girl that I tried to date and had rejected me. And that rejection triggered that whole, that whole feedback loop of me not being good enough 
And that narrative stayed for a long time. I still, you know, I still struggle at times with not feeling good enough. And he brings that up is that that's where the past events come from. That's where some of that comes from is from these past events that say, I'm not good enough. You know, that's self, maybe self-loathing, but it's coming from me taking that time space and putting all of this stuff into it that may not, may not be true. That's the other part. I've realized that some of the stuff, and I, I talked to my daughter, Sharice, a lot about this. There are times where our mind has turned an event that's current into something it's not because of past events, because we're still dwelling on them. So somebody, we, we once had a boss that said something negative to us. Now we think that anytime a boss says something similar to this, it's going to be something negative. Well, I got, you know, this one boss reprimanded me really hard and I don't want to ever be in that situation again. So if, if anything looks like that again, it just has to appear like that to our mind, then we immediately go into kind of a freak out mode. It's easy to do. It absolutely is easy to do. Um, so in cognitive behavioral therapy, we refer to that kind of stuff as um, thinking errors or cognitive distortions. I brought that up, I think, in, uh, in a past podcast or two. Mm-hmm. Um, these are false things that automatically pop up as thoughts. All right, so here's, here's, the, here's those thoughts. Here's that lawnmower again, you know, just making noise. And um, we, we assume that they're true based on the past experience, right? That this one time in a similar situation, this happened. And so it's happening again, even though it's a completely new scenario. There might be similarities, sure. And yet it is completely new. And again, the past has died, it is done, it is over. And so even if there's similarities, de-identify from your mind, de-identify from what you know. We said this in the last podcast and just focus on whatever is happening in your life right now. Treat it as if it's brand new. You've got, you've got baby eyes, right? Like you're seeing the world for the first time. That is really tough to do. And we're not saying like to close your eyes, right? And, you know, like... <laughs> If someone, if someone took advantage of you in the past, you know, again, here's the clock time. You need to look at the past and learn from it. Use it to not repeat the same mistakes. However, thinking errors, projecting our, our past experiences onto the now, mind reading, you know, thinking we know what someone's thinking about us, catastrophizing where we're, we're making something a bigger deal than maybe it really is. You know, the shooting, oh, we had a mm-hmm. big conversation mm-hmm. about the shooting. And so these thinking errors, these cognitive distortions, they are automatic negative thoughts that uh, only come from the past, which again is dead. So the minute you recognize that, you're in the present, you're in the now, well done. Right. And I think that you can also bring into the fact that you can start doing these mindfulness practices. So the breathing techniques to to keep, so just to help get you still habit of mind to be able to bring you back into those spaces. It's 
maybe doing anything, eating ice cream, but savoring the taste of the ice cream, being in the present moment. Do you have any mindfulness practices, Carrie, that you kind of have done that have kind of helped you in the past? I'm glad you asked me because I was thinking about those while you were saying that. I have always been a hot tea drinker, you know, warm tea for the comfort. Mm -hmm. Um, that's morphed into now I drink a little bit more coffee, but it's still warm and it's still the same experience. And most recently I've loved incorporating bone, bone broth, but all of it has always been a warm drink. And it's, I've been doing probably since high school. And just to be able to have that experience of the warm, soothing, yummy mug and taking it from the start of the mug until the end of the mug and not talking to anybody, not really having anything going on externally and just savoring that. And it's always been a calming thing for me. It's always kind of brought my day down, you know, cause I do it at, in the evening. It just kind of gives me a time to just chew on everything that's happened and like, let it go. It's amazing. And I highly recommend it. If you don't do anything like that, I mean, it's the simplest thing you could think of, but it really does help you let it go. It's kind of like the same, you know, when everybody has like a nighttime routine before you get into bed and get under the covers and try to go to sleep. You all, we all have the little things that we do. We all do those ever since we were kids. We always had a routine before you go to bed. This is another additional thing, but it's just me time and it's tremendous. And I never really thought of it as as a mindful thing, but it really is. Absolutely is. Yeah. Now that that's that, now that that's a, a more prominent people talk about often, and it's even on a lot of apps now. Highly recommend I, it. I think that, that that is so important that you bring that up, right? Because sometimes people are like, I don't want to sit and cross my legs and just do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's so boring. Like, what am, I, I don't want to do that. Or they say, I don't have time. Huh. <laughs> you That's now my know favorite. T- That's time, my favorite. Time is an illusion, my friends. Right? It is, it is something you control. So if there's no time, it's simply because you're choosing not to uh, prioritize it, right? Anyways, so this ritual of drinking a hot beverage or, you know, um, just something enjoyable that you can just sit and totally just dive into it. Listeners, please pay attention to what Carrie said and maybe after listening to this podcast think about an area in your life where you can put a ritual in of of uh, an enjoyable mindful practice maybe it's eating cereal you sit down and pour a cat and crunch or whatever it is right we're not getting paid for advertising but uh you know you you do some some cat and crunch and um you just listen to the crunchiness of it or as it gets soggy, you know, you, mm. you, you, you just feel that maybe some of you are like, that's gross. Don't do that. Then choose something else, <laughs> you know, like this is individualistic, but yeah, create a ritual, something enjoyable where you just focus on it. Nothing else. I love that Carrie example. I love that. That's awesome. That's, um, 
and because a lot of people is so foreign to do the, like a breathing it's like oh this is formal me sitting in the cross i don't know what this is all foreign to me and they don't relax and then it becomes a thing i always hear this i, I this meditation thing I, I it's not for me but what she just demonstrated is that is a meditation that's using concentration in the present moment to be able to see the way things really are, which is what I'm going to bring us to next was he brings this up is accepting the way things are. So you deal with it. And, and this is, this is coming from, this is coming from um, him, but I also learned it from a Buddhist monk called Shante Deva in like seven, some 95 or something AD. Hmm. He is, he said, there are two things that you can do with any event that's happened. Either you can figure out a way to change it. Like, Hey, I can go do something about this. Or I just have to accept patiently accept patient acceptance. This is what we call it in Buddhism. And those two things are the things that you can do with any, in, in, in any given issue. So you can't, it's not a problem anymore. It's not a problem. It's just this thing has happened. Either I can accept it as it is, or I can do something about it to change it, which is using your experience and the, the time that we're talking about that, what was the name of the time? General time? Clock time. <laughs> Clock time. Clock, Clock time. time to be able to draw out or research another way of responding to it. And he brings up that as well. It's how you respond that makes the huge difference here. Being able to silently pause, sacred pause, and then being able to look at it, be in the present moment, and respond to it in a more effective way based off of what would most likely be the most beneficial thing for it. And, you know, some things just happen. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. It's just accepting. And that's the thing like, hey, a bee stung me. You know, it's going to be painful for a bit. You may go get something to go put, you know, there's some ointment or whatever that spoon or is that a mosquito? The, what, what do you put on a, a baking soda? I think will take the sting out, but it doesn't make it sure. at that very moment. This bee stung you. There's nothing you can, you have to accept it as it is a bee stung me. <laughs> you can't it's, change it, right? No, it happened. It's, it's happened. <laughs> and so now you just accept it. Now you can go choose a remedy to help some pain afterwards. Okay. I know when a bee sting happens, this will help me in the future like taking an aspirin, whatever it is. But at this still, this present moment, you're still going to feel that amount of pain because it happened. So you have to accept it. And you going, I can't believe this bee stung me. <laughs> this bee, how, how could he do that? Well, that's what bees do. That's why they have a stinger. They're protecting themselves. So, I mean, we can th talk about that all day, but I mean, this thing happened and then it's the how you responded to it, how you reacted to it that makes the difference. And if you're in the present moment, you have these two choices. It's not a problem. That bee didn't go out of its way to come and sting you. It's, you know, it did, but it was reactionary for it because that's what animals do. 
you know, some event, some thing stirred it up. So where it said, Hey, I'm, I have fear. I'm going to sting you. Cause I'm, you know, I'm going to, and they in their own life for that one. The bee has its own pain body, right? It's like, it ah, does. yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm identified with my fear. That's right. So it's, yeah, that's exactly what it does. Cause it doesn't have the ability to think no, it and be able to draw itself out of it to its own consciousness. It doesn't, it's not aware it's a bee. It just is a bee. <laughs> it's, that's a part of the <laughs> just animal. is. That's right? part of the animal yeah. piece. But he brings up that space that we can, it's how you respond. And if you respond from the present moment, you have these two choices. Patiently accept what has happened. And then also come up with a remedy so that the thing doesn't happen in the future or something. You know, you can, there's some remedy that you can apply if right. you can. If not, this is what's happened. Well, well and, and, and if you choose, right? So what you're talking about, he refers to in the book as life versus life situation. Mm-hmm. And so you've got, you've got the life situation. <laughs> I, I think it's really great in the book that he, he brings up the fact that like, you're really already pretty much perfect as is. You just don't know it. Right. And if you can get in touch with that, right. If you can get in touch with that inner alignment and find out that you're really, you're connected with everything and anything, you know, and you can choose whether or not you want to play this game of making your life situation better, or you can just accept it as is like, like it's really okay. He talked about whether you want to choose to be lazy, you know, or if you want to get up and go do something. But really, in, in the end, it's like, it's okay, whatever. Like, it really is. If you are at peace with yourself, you know, you don't have to be ambitious. I mean, if you want to, great, you know, how do you de-identify from the ambition? The question is, how do you stay ambitious if you de-identify from it, right? Like, I, I, I don't. Well, and then that brings up that whole piece, that. right? What is ambition? Ambition is the sense of, I want to be something better in the future. Well, if you're already in the present moment and you're happy and you're in that stillness and peace and it's an, and it's a peace and love and joy that is limitless, boundless, timeless. So it's perfect. It's that perfect. So it's beyond our comprehension because most of us are caught up in the other kind of situations, which are, you know, a, what I call a temporary difference of, of pain, of problem for you, you know, or suffering, temporary suffering. So either it's not so bad right now, or it is really bad right now, but you're still suffering in some way. You know, it's eating ice cream, for instance, feels really, oh, it's a temporary left of, I, I feel, I love the sweetness, I blah, blah, blah. We'll eat too much of it. <laughs> and see how you feel in about a, in an hour. And that is you know, the difference between pleasure and joy. That's the point. That was where I was going with it. And that's because of the consciousness behind it. Joy is in a different, is when you're conscious and it's the natural state, which is what I brought up last week. The clouds being, we think that the, the, the sky, the clouds are the sky when actually the natural state is the sky being clear. He also brings up the fact that you just because the clouds are in the way of the sun doesn't mean the sun doesn't exist. He brings that's another further cloud and atmosphere thing, but the the sun is always existing. The present moment always exists, 
but just because your vantage doesn't mean, you know, doesn't mean that the sun doesn't exist because they may be blocked, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. That peace is always there is what he's stating. That peaceful state is always there. It's our thinking of things, our mind that puts the delusion and the incorrect thinking to thinking it doesn't exist. That disturbs our peace. It's all distraction, right? No, it is. It is. It's all thoughts or distractions to help you deal with situations. And it, and it does come back down to the Buddhist philosophy that our root cause of our problem is that we create these delusional thinking that we crave things that we want things a certain way. And then when they don't happen for us that way, either we get angry or jealous or something else comes for, and that's where the root of it is, but it's all in that space of craving and that's creates and that creates suffering. This is so deep. It is, it's, but that's the four noble truths for you right there. And, but he says also that there is, the Buddha said there also is a way of getting out of that. And that is being, that's the reason why Zen Buddhists practice this mindfulness walking, because it puts them into the space of being in that present moment all the time. I was thinking of a Thich Nhat Hanh where he's talking about being thankful for just the clouds or the water that you're drinking and then thinking of the clouds that were dropping the water in your cup. You know, oh, there's those peaceful clouds that, that are going to create this water for me that I'm drinking right now. Oh, thank goodness for those storm clouds. Having gratitude, you know, those gratitude practices hmm. for the things that are. What do you think, Carrie? That's what I think about every day when I get up in the morning is the fact that I have a little bit more grace because guess what? I get another day. I might be doing the same thing as I did yesterday with a little variation, but guess what? I'm still here and I'm still here to help other people. And I'm still here to make a difference in whatever little way I can make a difference in someone's day. And I feel thankful that I'm healthy because maybe I wasn't healthy yesterday, or maybe I wasn't healthy a couple of days before that. Cause you never know, but I've always been a grateful morning person. I don't know, because it's a better way to have a good attitude once you get going in the morning and to think about all the ways that you can make other people's days better than to be like thinking about all the dread and all the things I have to do today and all the things that I don't want to do today, because that's not going to make your day get any better. So once you turn the corner and wake up every day with a grateful heart and start your day, the day goes a lot better because you have an open mind and a positive look on it. So I'm a firm believer in grace. However, I'm also very hard on myself if things don't go exactly right. So there's a perfectionist inner carry that has a little uh, dialogue with me from time to time. So my negative self-talk comes out when I'm in those kind of like titter tatters with my inner self, but those, those things thoughts, I can manage. They're not you. Those, but, they're not you, right? But they can overtake, they can overtake your day, but that's not how I start out my day. I start out my day with grace and an open mind and a positive attitude and, and go forward. But you know, there are times throughout my days where I might not be so kind to myself. So that's the big piece is that what she's stating is, is that you, you start off the day with peace. It's the natural state of the mind to be at peace. We create the trauma 
by thinking of past events and pushing it in there. And that's where some of the negative self-talk comes from is, well, remember you screwed that up. Don't screw it up today. Just, just don't. And then you get stressed out about, and then you, then it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy sometimes that you're going to screw it up because you now have overthought it. I can tell you that my current, I, I have really been struggling with this, my, with my current job. I have a new boss and he doesn't know me. He doesn't know the way I work or has not seen me over the last 23 years. He's new. He's been here almost less than a year. So I'm constantly trying to prove myself that I'm this wonderful worker. I'm this, you know, amazing dude. And I've actually, I think most times I've dug myself into more of a hole and then I get caught up in that. And then that, that traumatic stuff comes out, you know, forgetting silly things like doing my time card and you sabotage yourself without even thinking about it because you're so caught up in this overthinking iteration of not being good enough for the new boss. And then I have to just somehow take myself out, which has been really difficult because, you know, I had uh, like this week, I had one of two of our guys that had been here for 20 years that I was like best friends with these guys. They both left this week. So it was extremely traumatic for me because I was like, these are my, I consider them family and they're leaving because they don't like, they don't like the situation at work right now. Wow. And so that was really tough. And, and you can get into the frame of mind where you're like, oh, that's right. That guy's the bad guy. <laughs> but it doesn't help me because I'm not, I'm still here. So um, being able to wake up, just like Carrie's saying, uh, with a peaceful, graceful, grateful heart, just so grateful for this precious human life that we have and putting it into that basic frame that we have an opportunity to make our lives meaningful every moment. And that's exactly where I think that Eckhart Tolle is going with this is that you have a mo every day is a new moment. I think you brought that up last time too, Brian, that every moment's a new ability to change the way things are. Every moment is a new moment and you're not confined to what the past has happened. What's happened in the past. That that's absolutely true. There Again, the past is dead. The past mm-hmm. is over. The past literally does not exist. And the future doesn't exist. Mm. There really is only the now. Because when the future arrives tomorrow, it'll be here in the form of now. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. so we, we, we get caught up with making future plans or we get, you know, our hopes of, oh, tomorrow's going to be a better day. No, not unless you do something now. You know, and so um, listeners, please take some some time to, to think about what we've been talking about and what Eckhart Tolle is, is um, suggesting here. It's, it's a little tough to make sense of it, right? I mentioned last time that I was feeling a little bit stuck today so i mean during this conversation i'll admit sometimes i'm like what what is going on (laughs) right and that's okay though he he even says in the book (laughs) trying to make sense of this can't happen because it is not something 
that can be explained. It is only something that can be understood really by doing, by being, well, yeah, just by being, <laughs> just be like, you don't need to do anything. Just exist. Right. Notice says, that. Right. He actually says the path to enlightenment is by not pursuing it. <laughs> That's the awakened, you know, because the Buddha is the enlightened one. That's what Buddha stands for, actually, for people that don't know that. The enlightened one was awoke out of these type of things where he was just in the present moment, experiencing the understanding that the natural state of the mind is peace and being in that space and realizing that what the problems are and what the root of root of the suffering was. And then once he was able to understand all of these four noble truths, he was able to help teach that to others hmm. so that they could be on the same path, which is where Eckhart Tolle is kind of trying to get you. But the state of enlightenment comes by, learning these techniques to get there. So there's techniques to be able to free your mind, which is what he's trying to teach. And that's what the Buddha taught. That's what, you know, so many others taught. It's kind of trippy though. So the minute it's, that you're trying to, to seek enlightenment, you won't get there. So you need to stop seeking enlightenment. But if you stop seeking enlightenment, how do you go about learning these things if you're not wanting to learn them? I think that you can be say, Hey, right? I want like, a better I life for myself. Right. It's a contradiction. It's like the catch 22. <laughs> don't try to be enlightened. Just find enlightenment. <laughs> I think that's, I think that, I think what you can say is also that through a path, the journey of becoming to that state is the most important piece. Again, you know, enlightenment is a destination that you all, that everybody wants. And it means free of suffering. That's what enlightenment really is. Free of suffering and happy, joyful, peace. And, and it's a destination th that we've already arrived at. We just don't know it. We just have to realize it in our mind that that's what it is. That it's being able to be consciously aware that every moment is has that peace in it, which is what he's bringing up. That peace is in every moment. Just because Carrie now has decided to drink this water, it doesn't mean that before she drank the hot tea, that there wasn't this piece there, but she's changed her mind, her habit of thinking to calm herself, to see the stillness, to see the peace. And that's what that mindfulness practice really brings you into. These are actions to bring you into that state so that you acknowledge that you can be in that state. If that makes sense. No, but you can't make sense of it, right? That's the point. Well, you, you do know. <laughs> it does you make do sense. Know. It does. Yeah, it does exist, <laughs> just, but the peace just, exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the peace exists, but it comes from practice and changing a habit of mind and the way you see reality. I think that that's where, and that's where meditation and objects and all these, this practice comes from, that it doesn't snap in overnight. Carrie is awesome because she started doing mindfulness practice without knowing about it. I, I wish I would have known that in like about 20, 30 years ago. Oh, I'm just a trendsetter. You are a trendsetter. Absolutely. I heard that about you. She was, she was a trendsetter all yeah. back in those days. Oh God. She was twirling her, uh, baton. I said, baton, baton, nice. baton. <laughs> Very 
So, Do you know what though? She that was such a fun time, and that's the best thing about it is, is that even in these, you know, that's what's great about having uh, people to have these friendships with. And he brings that up as a, and we'll we'll stop here in a second. Like we got, we're running out of time. We're going to run late. But what I was thinking was that he brings up having friends and spiritual friends to help, like what we call sangha, people to help you that are burning already, spiritual teachers, therapists. Um, so for you listeners out there, how am I going to get here? Find people of like minds that want, that are either already on this path, most of the time on the path already that you see them as that positive place. Like Carrie, for instance, very much in a positive place. Uh, she's done very well for herself over the years. She's living the life in San Diego, California. And she's somebody that has done things to help create a different reality for herself. And that has created peace for herself. When you can find somebody that it has that state is already burning, may not have all the answers, but a therapist, a friend who's already in that state, a spiritual teacher of some sort, they will help uplift you into that state with them. So those are the things that I, and he highly suggests that as well. So if you're to take, where do I need to go next? How I, all of this is just crazy. I, I want to know, find I'm friends. Stuck. I'm stuck. <laughs> I'm stuck. Because this can be overwhelming, but if you find that you find people, surround yourself with the people that have this fire, this passion. And when you start surrounding yourself, you will start living that passion yourself because it burns close to you. It's, you know, he brings up a log that is just fresh off the log pile and to, and you push it onto, if you just push it on the log pile and start a fire, you have to go through this whole process. But if you push it next to an already burning log, somebody that's already on this path, it's, it's ignites, it starts burning. So that's, that's my suggestion as well for any listener out there for any, even me, you know, find those people that are burning already that are already in a space that you recognize and that they're in the present moment. They're mindful, they're loving, they're peaceful, find those people and try to be with them, you know, make them your mentor or especially for a therapist, Brian is definitely, you know, I'm sure Brian, if you, if you reach out to Brian, he can help you in any way, shape or form. You know, even if you need to go find, yeah, even if you probably need to find a therapist, he could probably tell you the steps to find a good therapist Mm -hmm. in your area. If you're, you know, struggling right now and you're feeling like I feel overwhelmed, this is too much. I need somebody to, and I, I, and I have a, I have a spiritual leader that, you know, maybe somebody you can go to in your church or whatever. Those people are also very good, helpful people. So those are my thoughts for helping to close it up a little bit like where do we this is so much so much right well there's (laughs) there there really is a lot in this book and and you know um as we're going through this it it is already mid-february we're gonna be um starting another book here soon uh we'll announce that book in the next in in the next podcast there is just so much to be learned from from this book and you know from all the books we'll be reading so we apologize if we haven't touched on a topic that you found really interesting um in the reading but there is a way that you can 
figure that out for yourself. And that is you can DM us and say, I would really like to talk about this. Can you guys talk about this? And that's a wonderful way of engaging with us. Uh, this is Brian High Mountain Sage. He's on Instagram as High Mountain Sage. I'm Andy. I'm the bearded practitioner on YouTube, on any, like pretty much every social media. And you can find me there, uh, Facebook, Instagram, DM me. I will be happy to. We also have gurus podcast one at gmail.com, which will help you kind of figure that out for your, would be able to uh, communicate with us. Gurus.podcast for Instagram. So, um, and please also share this uh, podcast with your friends and your family. Spread the word. If you are getting something out of it, it is likely that others will also get something from it. And he was just talking about the proximity rule, right? Where you want to be close to people that are um, doing things that you want to be doing with your life. Well, if you're having difficulty finding them, create them by inviting others into the circle with you. Absolutely. um, That's why we grabbed Carrie out of the out of yes. the group and said she's our super fan and also somebody I know really personally. So and so happy to have you on Carrie. So this is the part where we talk about uh, smart goals. Mm-hmm. So each one of us have been smart mm-hmm. goaling it. Um, I don't Have you been doing any smart goals, Carrie? For resolutions yeah. or. I don't believe in resolutions because I don't follow through on them, but as far as the smart goals, I am actually now incorporating exercising again into my daily uh, schedule. So I finally broke down and got a treadmill. I've been looking for months and I just finally convinced myself, you know what, you just need to do it. And I did it. And I'm so glad because it's very hard um, here in California to social distance. And even though we're supposed to be wearing masks, you know, the mask mandate, you know, to go to a park and walk, you never know what you're going to come across because if you're exercising, people don't want to wear masks, but you really should be wearing a mask and the whole cross crossing people's, you know, so I thought a treadmill would be a great idea. And I'm week two of my treadmill and I'm so much happier for doing my 10 minute or 15 minute spurts throughout the day. You know, I don't really, today was longer because I was on, you know, a holiday from work because of the bank holiday, but I forgot how much I enjoyed to just walk. You take for granted, but when you're an avid walker, just because that's all you can really do, you can't run, you can't do other things because you're not that talented, but walking, everybody can walk and you can walk at your own pace and your own space and all that kind of thing. So as far as a smart goal, that's totally something I can measure. And over time I can feel better. And it's not really a, anything other than it also helps my mental because I don't have to think about anything when I'm walking. Well, that's awesome. You know there's, what I mean? There's a mind-body connection there. Yeah. You know? Very nice. Andy, how are you doing with your uh, smart goals? Oh, my goodness. My goodness. I have not made a video in a bit. I, I've been still in this almost like retreat. I mean, I did a bunch of like stuff for the new... So I went to the park this weekend and we went to... I actually probably Carrie knows exactly where I went. So we went to Stillman rail park, which is in North Scottsdale. And so that's about where actually we lived and grew up at. And so we went down there and I brought van and my new grandson, Jaden, 
and we went for the little roller co- the little they have a, like a train that goes around the park and they have a little carousel and everything looks like a train so i did a lot of video shoot stuff and actually i was learning how to use my new lenses so i can't say that it was all i was like trying to learn how to do more podcast um, my valentine's day gift this week was a new light and I went today, I went to Tempe camera to figure out how to get a better hair light and uh, edit on a budget. That's not like, cause stuff can get really expensive quickly in mm. videography land. Um, and you don't realize it cause you just think, Oh, some guy in his phone. No, it can, when you start really stepping into the videography cinema, it becomes like thousands of dollars easily. What about the new Apple iPhone with the uh, Dolby or what is it called? <laughs> We're not getting paid for advertising again. I'm just saying. Well, it's going to come out. Well, see, that's the whole thing. But it still doesn't. It still has that proximity where you your microphone's only as good as how close it is. So if you have like you're six feet away, but when you're usually videotaping, I mean, maybe you're doing a selfie like a TikTok video that's really close. But most likely, if you're shooting a video for product reviews, you're you know you're like five ten feet away. And that shoots the that stereo mic out of the water right then because now you're just going to hit all of the echo and all the untreated walls and all of that hits all at once. You're just like, okay, now it sounds like I'm in a big, a bigger room, and it loses all of that wonderful digital stereo fun magic. So yes, so yes, that's where I'm at. Where are you at with your veggie eating? Um, I'm okay. I'm okay. I would say that this week was uh, average week. Hmm. Wasn't grand. Wasn't bad. Just kind of in the middle, you know. I uh, very proud of myself for today. I had some uh, green beans and tuna for hmm. lunch. Tuna mixed with Tabasco. Oh, I love that. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was good stuff. And um, yeah, so that was good. Just a, a nice light lunch, and I went on a three and a half mile walk today, which is really good. So again, you're so in, you're, well, you're in up in that country beautiful. where it's just beautiful. Everywhere is beautiful in Utah, in my opinion. I mean, I grew up here. I I, I could use change in scenery sometimes, but it is, uh, you know, it's one of those things. You just grass is always green on the other side. Pay, uh, go listen to another podcast. You talk about that. Um, <laughs> But, but, uh, don't, but don't, but don't choose another podcast because this is a wonderful podcast of wonderful people. And uh, oh. <laughs> oh, I was, I was meaning to say, uh, the I am, we talked about that topic. Uh, oh, podcast, yes, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this is the interesting thing the grass is greener, but it's really different. That's why I was talking to a friend who left his job, and I just said, Well, what'd you find? He's like, Yeah, it's just different, it's not like it's not better, it's just different. It's now it's like, oh, well, yeah, now, but now I have this other problem. <laughs> this boss wants me to do this instead. So, yeah, so it's yeah. just different. It's all perception. So, Carrie, do you have any last thoughts for, I mean, and I'm sure that we might, you know, I, I, I love super fans. Um, and I love the fact that with Carrie, me and her are so much on the same pages. It's crazy. I mean, we went to the same high school, but we're into Toastmasters. We're into the self-help area. 
Um, I absolutely dig that, which I didn't know that, you know, I, it was, we were actually how we even started talking again, because we're both huge Notre Dame Irish fans. So I would post my little go Irish and she'd be like, yeah, go Irish. And then we started talking again. And now here we are finding that we have quite a bit of this in common and I'm probably going to join, go to one of her as a guest, one of her Toastmasters. So she joins my podcast for a day or whenever she's feeling like she wants to join in again. And uh, then uh, I'm going to go to one of her Toastmasters, which is going to be so fun. I enjoy that. I enjoy Toastmasters a lot. Toastmasters is really cool for anybody out there who's looking for speaking skill sets. I love it. I love Toastmasters. Brian, have you ever been to a Toastmasters meeting? Well, you're you're welcome to join as well. Anytime. Uh, Now, you know, everything's online. So it's a little bit different as far as the interaction. It's a very warm, friendly and encouraging environment. It doesn't matter what role you might have in the meeting, whether you're a guest or whether you're a member, the opportunity to listen to whoever's speaking, whether it's a, you know, prepared speaker or whether it's a person giving an evaluation or whether it's a person that's a Toastmaster that runs a meeting that night, everybody has a different perspective to bring. So even if maybe you're not the person giving the evaluation, which is one of my favorite things to do, you can hear someone else give an evaluation on something you've also listened to and bring up points of, you know, constructive, helpful things that they've noticed, you know, to maybe for improving on the next time, but also pointing out wonderful things a person did or said or structured the way that they put together their presentation. I highly recommend it to anybody that shows any interest in me. I don't try to push it on them, but, you know, as a, as a friendly way, you know, to include you and Brian, if you'd ever want to come visit, it's a tremendous, right. it's, a, it's a tremendous experience. I'd love to, I'd love yeah. to try it out. Okay. Oh, we'll have to go and set that up. I'll have to go check yeah. it out. It's really, really good. I've enjoyed it. I'm, I'm been our, my, the company I work for right now has its own like local chapter in the company. So they have that, but then they also have like Toastmasters that are part of like the community. Like there's community ones. And then there's these private ones that are like locked down because you're in a company that has it or whatever. But uh, I found great value. And I've actually, some of my best friends in the company are from Toastmasters. So yeah, very cool. All right. So there's your plug for Toastmasters, but uh, thank you again, Carrie. Uh, this was fun. We'll have to do this again because um, you know there's I'm these books are absolutely so fun to go through, and I enjoy and and anybody else who's listening out there, uh, if you want to be part of this podcast, we are definitely you know happy to entertain that idea and having guests and people that are interested in you know maybe talking about something. Always exciting. Um, so. Very cool. So what do we have to say, Brian? Any, any last thoughts? Stay bearded. Uh, beard on. <laughs>